Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the worst Disney villains. And now this is very confusing because <laughs> I do not mean worst as in they are... Evil. Te- yes. I don't mean evil or terrible people. I mean worst as in they are either bad at being villains. They're bad at being bad. So yeah. So worst villains. But before we get into that, we're going to jump into Disney news for the week. So Disneyland Paris now has a reopening date. So Disneyland Paris, they announced, will be reopening June 17th. And then the brand new Art of Marvel Hotel. So it's the first hotel dedicated to Marvel. and It's filled with Marvel art. It's kind of a very like modern style hotel. That is going to be opening on June 21st. So uh, it's exciting that that hotel is opening. Disneyland Paris is reopening. I think that will be all of the Disney parks once Paris, re- once Paris reopens. I believe all of them will be open now uh, across the mm-hmm. world. So that's very exciting. Yeah. Well, this um, this Marvel Hotel looks really nice. And like you said, it's very modern, uh, new looking. Some of the artwork is really cool. So uh, that's on the walls. So I, I, I mean, I think I think we, we should go check it out. I was going to say we are kind of tentatively planning a European vacation next year. And so it, potentially through Adventures by Disney. So we will be talking about that if, if we end up doing that. Um, but part of that is, yeah, maybe heading over to, to Disneyland Paris. And so Maybe stay at the hotel. Definitely want to check it out. Yeah. Because um, it, it does look pretty cool. So we will have to see. And if we do go and check out the hotel next year, we will definitely report back on that. Oh, absolutely. At least like 12 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we really got to milk that content. Well, yeah, out. we do. Because man, oh, day is it expensive. Yeah. Got to make it worthwhile. <laughs> like like we make money off this podcast. Yeah, yeah, so, right. Yeah. Big, big time <laughs> podcasters. In other news, pretty excited about the PIM Test Kitchen and everything that's going to be opening with the Avengers Campus in Disneyland. Yeah, so Disneyland, they announced, it's over in DCA actually, but but they announced all the food offerings for the Avengers Campus. And they have a lot of like interesting foods, not just your normal kind of theme park fare. Whenever they have something that's highly themed like that, they play with it and so they have some really interesting thing you should check out the uh, Disney Parks blog uh, just in order to see some of these food items because they play with different flavors and sizes so one of my favorite things on the menu that I'm seeing is I mean not that Disney doesn't already have one of these but the giant pretzel it looks humongous it's 454 grams so the whole the whole kind of conceit behind the Pim Test Kitchen and and that is Ant-Man for those of you who may not know is Hank Pym He's playing with his pin particles. So food that's usually small is going to be giant. Food that's giant is going to be small. They have like a $99 like giant sandwich that feeds eight people. Like, so yeah, it feeds into the theme with this huge pretzel, which huh, looks good. Huh. It feeds into the theme. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, another thing that looks hilarious, um, I actually missed it the first time I looked through this press release, is it's not so little chicken sandwich. And so it's like this big old piece of chicken. And then it looks like they might have like a tiny bun too, just to accentuate how big the chicken piece is. It's just hilarious looking. Um, and then they have some other interesting flavors as well. They have a 
Proton PB&J Punch, which has Minimate Lemonade with peanut butter and strawberry flavors with peanut butter and fruit-fused whipped cream and peanut butter pretzel spheres. So that's definitely an interesting flavor combination there. They also have a churro swirl with some, it says, unique flavors. Yeah, so they actually have two food carts as well. So they have a shawarma palace kind of modeled after the Avengers uh, end scene there. And then they have a cart right outside of Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's where they have the swirled churros, which look pretty good. I will say a couple of things I'm really excited about. One is the Cosmic Cream Orb, which is a cream puff with whipped raspberry cheesecake mousse. It kind of looks like those pods from Pandora, but it's like almost a fluorescent purple inside. Uh, it, it looks really good. It, look, it's, it is kind of like Pandora where it's alien looking. But, yeah, it's but, like royal purple. It's a, it's just a very beautiful purple. The outside, though, kind of looks like a truffle or a really burned marshmallow. Yeah, it does. It looks like a burned marshmallow. Yeah, like a, cause, yeah, I guess it's a cream puff. So yeah, it's a really burnt marshmallow. So, But that looks good. I definitely want to try that. But definitely the novelty item that I have to get is they have the Iron Man Nano Gauntlet that is basically a cup holder for your drink. So it looks like you can wear this thing to then hold your drinks. And as soon as I saw this, I said, yes, I will be buying one of those. I have to have that and just walk around with your drinks all the time. Like it's perfect. <laughs> I guess we each get one of those items. As soon as I saw the Simba, the, the Simba from the beginning of the Lion King uh, popcorn bucket, last time we went to oh, Disney, right, yeah. I had to yep. have it. And you even looked at me and you went, do you really need a popcorn bucket? I said, a Simba one. That so was I a could perfect hold impression of me, by the way. I'm, I know. I sounded just like you. <laughs> But yeah, I was like, no, I need this. Like this needs to be in my life and I haven't regretted it. So you know what? As silly as this is, I, I give you my permission. Not that you needed it. And I don't know how much it costs. Like there, there isn't pricing on it. So I mean, if it is like one million dollars, yeah, if it's some crazy amount of money, like, yeah, probably not going to get it. But it it's pretty cool to, to hold your drink. They also have some light up with playing off the pin particles as well where they're like coasters that light up to kind of light up your drink. So Disney's really trying to, to sell an experience here. The other thing they've announced that they're doing, and this is the first of its kind for Disney and maybe the first at any theme park, at least that I'm aware of, but the new Spider-Man attraction, the Web Slinger attraction, which is basically kind of the next generation of like Toy Story Mania, where you are, you're driving in a cart and you're kind of shooting at these spider bots that have escaped and you know you make the you know spider-man motion with your hand and it's going to look like web is is firing out of your hand well disney actually announced that they are now selling merch that can be used in ride so you can buy what? so you can buy power-ups to buy that give that unlock special powers within the attraction and so this is i don't know whether this is brilliant or stupid it's brilliant on Disney's part. It's terrible for the rest of us because now you have to pay. You have to pay. pay, to pay play. Yeah, you have to pay additional money for the attraction. And I'm sure this is going to go well. I'm sure they're going to make a ton of money off of this. And so I'm sure this will happen for future attractions. So if you don't buy these power-ups, you can still enjoy the ride. But what they mentioned is it looks like kind of like web slingers that go on your hands. And they, they work and light up and make noises outside of the attraction too. So, you know, they're kind of worthwhile. Okay. See, that's what I was, that's why I said it's stupid because if they don't do anything outside of the ride, then there's no purpose to them. But if they do something, I guess it makes sense. I mean, I don't think they probably do 
a lot, but they do something to at least make it worthwhile. But like what they'll do within the attraction is they will, depending on which ones you buy, you can shoot multiple webs out of your hands. I think there's like ghost spider webs. They have an, an Iron Man like repulsor. So you can just shoot blasters all the time, oh, which wow. is, which I think would be fun. And there's a little add on. So yeah, definitely it's, it's, it's interesting to see that. Yeah. Now Disney's like, okay, let's monetize the attractions. So you're going to buy the ticket to go ride the attraction, but My then they're going to monetize you for rewritability, which I, I kind of like this because, you know, the Spider-Man attraction, I wasn't necessarily super excited about because again, it kind of just felt like a Toy Story mania. It didn't really feel like anything new, but now it adds a different level of rewritability. You know, you buy some of these power-ups, you can see what different things they do. If you have a group of three or four people, you each buy a different one, kind of try it out. So I mean, I definitely am interested in buying one and seeing what happens, but uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of adds another level to the ride. This is neither madness nor brilliance. It's amazing how often those two things coincide. I just made Joe quote Pirates of the Caribbean there. He had no idea what he was saying. I was going to say, I was told <laughs> we cut that, but she told me how to respond, but okay. Yeah, yeah. It was like a call and response kind of situation. Although I'm, I'm pretty sure that I, I, I didn't get every single word of it right. I always misquote that one a little bit. There you go. But yeah, but so this is interesting. So we got a lot of Avengers news. The Avengers Campus opens June 4th. As of right now, Disneyland is still open to California residents only. We'll see how long that lasts. They, Fingers crossed. California did announce that Disneyland will be able to up capacity to 35%. So they were able to do that this past week. I'm not sure if Disney actually did up capacity or not. Um, I don't know. We've seen official word on that yet. But again, it looks like everything's kind of you know moving forward. So yeah, hopefully as they up capacity once Avengers Campus opens and you know, maybe all the California residents have some time to experience it. They'll open it to out-of-state guests because Universal's opened up. They have no reservations. Anybody can kind of go at this point. So, uh, you know, I think Disney will follow. It's just a matter of when they do. So, all right. So let's jump into our main topic of the week. And we're going to be talking about the worst villains, our least favorite villains. Let's put it that way. People that aren't good at villainy. So they are not winning. They're not winning any games of villainous. Let's put it that way. They're not good at villainy. They're not good at villainy. So... So we each kind of have a couple, you know, quote unquote, power rank them. I mean, I don't know that I maybe have one that's way worse than the other. I mean, I think I think all of these people are, are kind of on the same level for me. And the way I looked at it as one, I didn't really either consider the person a villain kind of based on their actions. Maybe they're classified as a villain, quote unquote, but either like I really didn't see them as necessarily a villain or they weren't very good at whatever they were setting out to do. So they kind of failed in their endeavor. So like Scar, for instance, is a great villain. He's evil. Yes, he is. I, I take that as a personal compliment. I don't know why, though. <laughs> yeah, like you created him. You traveled back in time and you created him. But he, I know, wish I could, man. But he's, he's evil. He succeeds in his mission. Now, he doesn't stay king forever, but he succeeds in killing Mufasa and becoming king. So you know, he's a good villain. Um, but, you know, some of these... He's one of the few Disney villains who is actually successful at what he sets out to do for at least a short time. True. Very true. So, all right. So let's jump into our list here. So I did mine and mine are in backwards. So this one is is my least worst. Least worst? Is, is so this like, is like... Your, this this is, is my number three. three. Okay. So this is my number three. And, um, you know, I think that you, maybe you could guess this one because we just watched this movie. Snow White. Yeah. So, so the evil queen. So I oh, think, so Snow White's your worst villain. She is a pretty bad villain. So the evil queen, you mean? Yeah, the evil queen is definitely, um, you know, 
I feel like she's such a classic that I was expecting more because I think neither of us had ever really seen Snow White or at least it was so long ago that we saw it. We didn't really remember it. So we were like, why don't we rewatch this movie? And I'm like Bucky. I saw Snow White when it first came out in 1937. (laughs) I was was a little disappointed because I feel like, you know, she's so obsessed with vanity and having this ability to make herself – she has this ability to make herself absolutely hideous – why can't she make herself more beautiful then? She wants to, to knock off <laughs> Snow White. I feel like her power seems to, you know, be great enough that she can make herself so absolutely hideous that she can make herself a little bit more beautiful. But speaking of a little bit more beautiful, okay, let's put now, did you did you happen to notice that she was hiding these beautiful long tresses under her babushka or whatever. Like the second that she gets starting to be turned over to this wicked witch looking lady, these beautiful locks of hair fly out from underneath it. And then you're like, and you, you start looking at her and you start realizing why is she so paranoid? And what is the magic mirror looking at? Because she's a snack. Like she's good looking and better looking than Snow White. Sorry, Snow. I mean, so, so you're basically con- saying, Hey, she picked the wrong path. Like she could have done a better job of accomplishing what she wanted to accomplish and she failed pretty miserably. Like she was defeated within like a minute. I mean, at and, the end of that movie. And then like they didn't even pick one way to kill her. They were like, "Oh, thunder a lightning strike uh takes off the edge, takes off the edge of of the mountain. She's going to fly over. Oh, you know what? That's not good enough. Let's have the boulder fall on top of her too." Again, I know this is like Walt's baby. I'm not trying to, but she's just not, she's not that scary. Yeah, I think the movie suffered from the length of it. I mean, it's an hour and 15 minute movie. It's really focused on Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It's not a movie about the evil queen. It's almost like that's the title or something. Exactly. I think, you know, I think the evil queen has gained more from like Snow White Scary Adventures where she was like very predominant there and she was frightening. You know, I think probably once upon a time, you know, did oh, a lot yes. of did a lot of favors for her. So, Regina was definitely way better. Yeah, so you're right. I think that in the actual Snow White movie, she's in it very little. I mean, it's, you know, a, a few minutes, maybe 10 minutes if that or something like that. And and yeah, she's pretty ineffectual mm-hmm. there and and so yeah, I can see that where she's pretty easily defeated. So. It's also interesting, side 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 note here, how a lot of these early villains have crows as pets. Um, they must have been easy to draw. Yeah, well, I mean that, and I'm I mean they are a bad omen. I think that that's they're going for the symbolism of that. But I thought that was interesting because Maleficent also has uh, like a raven or a crow. All right, so my first person on the list is Captain Hook. And I have Captain Hook on here because if you think about it and you look and you kind of flip the movie on a different perspective, like Peter Pan's almost the villain of that movie. Like they basically, you know, kind of terrorize Captain Hook. It's a bunch of kids terrorizing Captain Hook essentially because he's an adult. Like he, he kind of stands out. I mean, he's, yes, he's going after Peter Pan. I mean, he, you know, he did, he didn't do good things, but it's like, he was kind of ostracized almost for an adult. And like, you know, (laughs) you know, like Peter totally cut his hand off. Like he lost his hand. Like Peter definitely was the one that cut his hand off. Like Peter Pan is not innocent in this story, but really overall, like what does Captain Hook do? He's really not like, even in the attraction, like it's always him just kind of running away from that crocodile. Like, (laughs) 
he never really accomplishes much. So to me, he's not like a great villain. He's not super scary. He doesn't he's not really, imposing. Yeah, he doesn't accomplish much. And it's really like it's basically like these kids terrorizing him for the most part and like trying to get this crocodile to eat him. I mean, <laughs> is is he really the villain in this story? Shark bait. <laughs> so for me, he's not as strong as like a villain villain, you know, as as some other people. I, I kind of wanted to potentially throw Gaston on this list. Oh no. But I do think I do think he leans a little bit more into kind of evil that would take him he, off this list. For me, he doesn't he doesn't eventually succeed and so I think that weakens it for me a little bit, but he he is his motives are pretty evil and he's ready to like murder the beast and he gets the whole town behind him. So for me, he doesn't quite make this list, but he's kind of in that gray area. See, for me, Gaston is one of the scariest villains that there is because to me, he is not just a person. He rec- he represents toxic mascul- masculinity. And so he is that person that every person just follows because he's good looking and he says it and he says it with absolute like certainty and everyone just falls in line and does what he says. And that to me is so realistic. It's scary. Right. So that's what I said. He's not on the list, but I thought about, because again, I was thinking about people who didn't succeed and he was pretty easily defeated and and didn't succeed. So I thought, Oh, could he go on the list? But then when I thought about to your point, like what he stands for and like what he actually did, he didn't make this list. Now, now one person I think now this may be controversial to some people, but I'm going to say Ursula. Because I don't think Ursula is the villain. Because basically, if you think about this movie, she was super upfront with Ariel. (laughs) She had a whole song and dance, literally, about what Ariel was signing up for and what would happen if she broke the contract. It wasn't like she tricked her in any way. She said, hey, you want legs? I can give you legs. It's going to cost you your voice. And, you know, the only way to get your voice back is you have to get, you know, True Love's Kiss by X time. And Ariel did it. And then all of a sudden, Ariel's daddy comes in and has to, like, save the day because, because you know, she's upset. But really, Ursula didn't trick her. I mean, she signed a contract. She knew what she was getting into. So for me, I don't consider Ursula the villain in that movie. I think that we're... We are backing her, ourselves into a bit of a corner here, you know, because it's almost like you, it's not, I don't want to say it's victim blaming, but she knows exactly what Ariel's Achilles heel is. And Ariel's Achilles, Achilles heel is that she absolutely loves humans, human culture, and she's very curious, which is both an, an advantage and a disadvantage. So it's not that. You know, she is upfront, but she knows she can be upfront. She's cunning because she knows, you know what? I can even dangle this out in front of her. I can dangle this little carrot, this little apple in front of her. And she is going to do it even like I'm going to make her willingly choose to have me dupe her. So I I don't know. I I think there's something really sinister in the fact that she is so upfront almost. But I, I see what you're saying, too. Even the worst villains have a little bit of evil in them. That's all I'm going to say. And two... Maybe they should, maybe Triton should start teaching negotiating skills to his daughters. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, because Ariel, you know what? Like, this is Shark Tank here. I'm going to offer you 25% for your company. You can respond and negotiate. You can say 20. You can be like, you know what? I want to keep my voice. You know, I mean, she could have responded back here. There could have been a bit of a, you know, of a negotiation here. So, 
Uh, I mean, we're we're also talking about Triton, like he's a good father, but he very very clearly like makes it very clear who his favorite daughter is. So I don't I don't really know about that. But it was he's Ariel, like, he, and also he destroys her favorite toy. So I mean, would, come on, I mean it's would, not a toy, but you know what I'm you saying. You would think he would have taught her better, but yeah, I mean that that's my only point though. You're right though. All these villains still have a little bit of evil in them because they wouldn't be interesting in the movie if they didn't but it is very interesting she was up front with her whereas you know you think of a lot of villains who you know try to trick people with disguises like the evil queen or you know scarlet lures simba down into the valley so that he can get the wildebeest to run him over basically exactly and he tricked them he wasn't yeah straight he, up with them right he tricked them into it so yeah, yeah exactly the next one for me so my number two is percival c mcleach or mcleach from rescuers down under so you thought he was a bad villain. That guy was like kidnapping kids. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm getting there. That so, seems pretty bad to me. Oh no, it is bad. But he's bad at being bad. And okay. this is why I picked him. Because okay, obviously there's nothing like no two ways about it. He is bad. Like he's very, very bad as in evil. Uh, you know, he's a poacher by trade. So obviously not a great human being, but his actions are so illogical. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So he seems to enjoy killing animals. He captures a human child. And then what would make more sense? Getting Cody to lead him to a to the gold eagle that he wants so that he can poach it and sell that or holding Cody for ransom. He could make so much more money if he just stole the child. I don't know. Maybe maybe nobody's paying ransom. I, you I, have to have money. You have to have money to pay ransom. I mean, he, he knows animals. So that's his MO there. That's but how he makes his he money. He brought the child into it. So his only way out is to murder the child. Um, so, that is true. So like you might as well hold the child for ransom because it, even if that parent, those that family doesn't have money and they go to the authorities, they'll probably be able to get some money. And then if he's sly enough, maybe he can get away with it. Probably not. But he, I mean, he's just he just does it very badly. All right. So let me get this straight. You are upset with him because he did not hold a child hostage for ransom money. This is interesting. We may be losing a lot of listeners from this episode, so I just want to point out we do not condone any of these uh, <laughs> villainous acts. This is all for fun, so do not think we want people to kidnap children. <laughs> I mean, you got to think about it. Obviously, he likes wild things. He likes to torture wild things. He captures Cody, who can free Solo better than Alex Honnold at the that very beginning a of the movie. That, that's the first superhero movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, like he has like the wildest child in the whole world. I mean, he should be. He should sell the child. Even on like again, wow, this is really getting dark here. Yes, yes, yeah, it's the right. outback. Things are different out there. So, <laughs> but yeah, I just think that he his I don't like an illogical villain. I like them to seem like they know what they are doing and to be in control, calm, cool, and collected, like Scar. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. I mean, you know, people talk about like Marvel villains that you know they're not you know, usually fully fleshed out or they're just kind of a mirror of the hero. You know, I, I think that's true in like a lot of these movies. Cause I mean, Disney, like we talked about, you know, we're talking about a lot of the movies in like the early nineties, their villains maybe weren't as strong. They had a few strong villains like scar, but even now, like they have like no villains. Like most of their movies don't have a true villain in the sense of like, you know, mustache twirling, you know, evil villain. It's more of like, <laughs> like the conflict and just the situation is like the antagonist. 
Yeah. You know, and there's not necessarily like a. Well, that's more like Pixar's thing. But. Yeah, but that's, I mean, but that's kind of come across because I think what Disney has realized and people that make movies have realized is it is hard to kind of make villains because, again, you don't want to spend too much time developing them because then you're not developing your main character and your villain's going to get defeated in the end anyway. So why do you spend all that time on them? And really, you kind of have to go so over the top with like stereotypes and like evil things that to your point, it becomes illogical or it takes you out of the movie. Cause it's like, why are they doing something so insane? Like it just doesn't, it doesn't seem realistic anymore because the animation and these movies are so grounded in reality now to a certain extent that it's like, if you have somebody that over the top, it just becomes so unbelievable. So they just have kind of like these internal conflicts or, you know, conflicts between the protagonists that help, you know, drive the story kind of like in frozen. I mean, the conflict between the sisters, there's no villain in, in frozen too. I mean, it's just kind of like a family struggle. Well, yeah, that's true. But you also think of some of the more recent, I mean, they're not that recent anymore. I've probably students that are not as old as these movies now, but like you think of tangled and Zootopia, those both have really formidable. I mean, those movies get like have a pretty good name to them and both of them have really formidable and interesting villains so there is i think the advantage for disney to creating good villains and memorable villain villains is then the movie does better too i will say with zootopia though that villain's kind of behind the scenes i mean for the most part of the movie you don't know what's happening so again it's there's this struggle but it's not again it's not this outright villain that you know is pulling the strings the whole time yeah but she's the wolf in sheep's clothing so that's what makes her perfect because you never suspect it's her the whole time no but but that's my point what i'm saying is you know kind of our definition of villain kind of the old school villain where it is the evil oh, queen yeah yeah not that know, yeah it's the mustache twirler again yeah. yeah you're you don't have that anymore because it's difficult to do that well and so it's better to have this yeah you know, behind the scenes person and you don't know it's the villain until the end which makes the reveal all that more impressive or you have to do something like what marvel did with thanos and you basically make him the star of a movie so that you can fully flesh out his background and then you start to be like oh i i see his motivations and and i kind of am invested in his story well the best part about thanos is very clearly that he is the hero of his own story. Like it's that's what and, I'm saying. And, but yeah, you, yeah, you well, have, no, I, I you know have to do saying. that, and you have to give them the time to do right. that. Right, so. but that that's the that's the thing about him where you're like, I can completely see where he's coming from. That's not right, but I can see where he's coming from. Exactly. All right, so let's get back to the list. So I think kind of going off of what what you said with, with almost Zootopia, kind of somebody behind the scenes. This is a similar person, um, but again, I don't think as a you know villainous person maybe is the strongest but king candy from wreck it ralph uh-huh. because one you don't really know king candy's the villain for a lot of the movie the main characters don't know it's not like they're fighting against king candy i mean he's yeah. kind of controlling them and ultimately it's like he's keeping them in a game i mean he's not really doing anything that bad he's just trying to He's just trying to stay alive as a person as his game got shut off. He, you know, he moved to another game, but, but he does completely destroy Vanellope's name and wipe her background. Now he does do that. He does withhold, he does kind of, you know, hold back Vanellope, but to a certain extent, one, I mean, he's not very effective at it. Um, Two, he did it pretty well for a long time. Yeah. But two, he, it's not like he killed her. I mean, she's still in the game. She's still going about, her day now granted you know she glitches and stuff but like 
ultimately, it's not like he is destroying the entire arcade. I mean, if anything, Ralph's the one that comes in and kind of breaks the doors wide open. You might you say know, he wrecks it. He, he does wreck it. And he's the one that creates chaos, which I think is interesting because, you know, Ralph's character is a villain in his in his game. And that's what the whole story is about is that bad guys don't have to be bad. Or I, I can't remember the saying when he goes to that meeting, like the villains meeting, <clears throat> oh. just because we're bad guys doesn't mean we're bad guys is I think what it is. Huh. doesn't make you a bad guy. But you know, so it, it's interesting that like, that's kind of the story. So he is almost kind of played up as a bit of a villain that he's causing all this chaos. And so King Candy takes a bit of a back seat and kind of in the third act. Yeah. He kind of comes to light, but again, he's he's pretty quickly overtaken. And and to me, I don't really necessarily see his acts as super villainous, again, compared to other villains. I'm not saying he's okay. not a villain, but you got to be a villain to get on this list first. But he's just not maybe the best villain. Nice, nice. Well, my number one for the worst Disney villain, because... I had a hard, I struggled with this one. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but this is Edgar Balthazar from the Aristocats. So he is the he's pretty bad. He is the butler to Madame Bonfamille. I, I still am not very good with my uh, French French pronunciation yet, so excuse me on that. Uh, he, and he's he's pretty good with, until he finds out that she's going to leave everything to her cats, Duchess and the kittens, instead of to him and. To me, um, he just doesn't feel evil enough. Like, the cats never feel like they're in true danger of dying, just of never seeing their their owner again, which is bad. Yeah, or, he kind of just abandons or, them. Or of inheriting the money. It's not the worst. And honestly, when Duchess and her kittens are out with Tom O'Malley, even though they're used to, you know, certain standard of life it's not like they don't seem like they're adjusting and it's he's not taking care of them and he takes them and they learn that you know being a street cat isn't necessarily like isn't a bad thing he just never feels scary even ever when they come back he tries to ship them to like he tries to ship them to timbuktu and then even toward the Wait, end literally timbuktu timbuktu yeah. okay and then when he fights Tom thomas o'malley with a pitchfork, he restrains him instead of impaling him. So, I mean, that, like, even when they're fighting, there's just no... His heart wasn't in it. Yeah, the whole time. And it's just like... And then, okay, the last thing, again, an illogical villain makes me mad because why go after the cats at all? If you want the money that bad, I mean... Cats there's can't a... spend money. They need people to spend the money for right. them. So you got to get rid of the madam. Get take her out because once the cats inherit it, guess who's gonna probably oversee the cats? Yep, exactly. He so he didn't get all the information there. He's stupid. Therefore, he is the worst villain. Okay. All right. The last one on my list. I feel it, pretty confident saying that too because I don't think too many people are like really big on him as the best villain. So I don't think we'll lose any listeners this way. <laughs> all right. Good. All right. So the the last one on my list is Teka from Moana. Disagree. But go ahead. Okay. So I, I have I have Teka on my list because really she's not the villain. I mean we're we're led to believe throughout the entire movie that she is the villain and that you know she's the one that needs defeated, but really she is Tafiti. So it's not spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, for a movie that came out years ago. But yeah, so I mean we're we're kind of led to believe this tale that she. And I guess she technically is the reason why Tafiti's not around, but it's not like it's not like Teka is this monster that killed Tafiti. 
it's just like she's kind of misunderstood almost. And, and once her heart is restored, she becomes defeated and everything's good. And so it's not even really like she was doing anything. I mean, she was kind of just like chilling in the middle of the ocean and just waiting for her heart to come back. And so I, I don't really see her as a villain. Again, in Moana, you know, like recent movies, there's not really a true villain. It's just kind of more conflict of the journey. And so I don't see Teka as, again, a villain in the sense of villains that we think of. Okay. Okay. I can see that. But she's not doing anything. She's just sitting in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. She's, so she's not killing islands or anything. Now, see here. Now they say that they Which say that she's. She say that she's killing islands. But when Moana and Maui go to Teka, she is literally days, days and days journey away in the middle of the ocean, asleep. Nothing is happening until they start going to her. So she's not out there destroying islands. Now, yes, f- food and stuff is dying on the island, but. We do not see direct impact of Teka. So I'm going to say correlation does not equal causation. We do not see her directly destroying the islands. So I'm going to say that she's maybe not the reason here. So for me, uh, Teka is just not on the same level as other Disney villains. Get on my level. Yeah. She's just, and again, she's just not in it a lot. I mean, they talk about her and they kind of build her up, but it's really... It's more like the myth of her is the villain than her herself. She's kind of in the background and I can see where it's like, it's almost like, because really it's more about character growth and particularly Maui's kind of character growth. And since he's the one that caused uh, Tefiti to turn into Takao to begin with, it's more like showing that he's able to kind of make unselfish decisions kind of maybe. I guess I can see where you're coming from there. I wouldn't necessarily she's a bad say she's a bad villain, but she's not on the same level. I think that wraps up the the show for today. We definitely want to hear what your thoughts are. Do you disagree with all of our picks? Who's your pick for worst villain? Let us know. You can head over to our Facebook page, Enchanted Ears. Send us a message. Let us know over there. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so already, please leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. Subscribe if you've not done so already. We've got some great interviews coming up over the next few weeks. We're going to be going to Disney World in a couple of weeks, and so we're going to be doing a trip report. So we'll tell you, you know, what it's like, you know, down there now, how that kind of compares to what the crowds were at the end of last year. Um, so be sure you subscribe so that you know you're the first to know when those episodes come out. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye bye.